Okay, thank you. God. Okay, Vito, welcome. Thank you. You want to you. speak? Uh, we we wanted to have you on the big screen, but we have you on the on the laptop now. So, uh, but we can hear okay. you. So that's the most important thing. All right. Okay. You want me to get started now? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm an addict called Vito. And what they asked me to talk about is the 12 traditions, but the 12 traditions not only with the group, but the 12 traditions and how we get along in relationships with other people. Because the 12 steps is for my personal recovery. The 12 traditions is for me to learn how to get along with my fellow addicts and carry those principles outside the rooms into my everyday living with my family, with my romantic relationships, with everybody. So let's start off with the first tradition and what it says. It says, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on NA. So to start off, what is our common welfare? Well, we only have one common welfare in NA is that we all suffer from the same disease and we want to get better for it. Other than that, we have nothing in common. We may speak different languages, go to different churches, different religions, different colors, different cultures. None of that we have in common, but the one thing that we have in common is recovery from the disease of addiction. So our common welfare is that we all can recover, and that's the most important part of it. But it goes on to say that our common welfare, recovery from the disease of addiction, should come first before anything else. Personal recovery depends on it. So in other words, for me to get along with you and have a common welfare doing the same thing, my personal recovery depends on that because if I'm not in unity with you, then we have no common welfare. So when it talks about our common welfare should come first, personal recovery depends on NA unity. So we have to have that unity. We can disagree, and it's okay to disagree, but we got to disagree without being disagreeable. Because you believe in one thing and I believe in another thing, we can be at odds in our position. But when we get all done, we need to hug because our recovery depends on each other. You go to area service for some time and you get two personalities, two addicts, going at each other like crazy, calling each other names, ready to bring out a baseball bat or a club and hit each other over the head. But once the, 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 it ends, they hug because we have to get along for our recovery to go. So that doesn't mean that we are uniformity, it means that we are unified in the, in the position of our recovery comes first, and nothing else matters beyond that. And if we understand that you must recover and I must recover, we can have difference of opinion, but we must go on. We must be able to be open-minded to hear other, other person's point of view, but we don't have to agree with them. But if we take that same principle of that common welfare and that unity, take it outside the rooms of narcotics, synonymous whether you're on the job or with your family or in a romantic uh, uh, relationship, you've got to identify what is the common welfare in that particular relationship. Let's say it's a romantic relationship, a marriage or whatever. What is the common welfare in that marriage? The common welfare is that the relationship works and that it works in harmony so that it doesn't break up. And that, that relationship needs that unity. So whenever we go into a relationship, we need to identify what the common welfare is. And if you have no common welfare in a relationship, you might as well not be in that relationship. The same thing with families. We all know how we were disowned from families and, and we wind up being recovered and they still won't take us back. Well, then we have no common welfare with that, 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 those families and so we have to love them for a distance because if we go in there, we get caught in the old drama, crisis, and dysfunction. So we learn that by having a home group. And if you don't have a home group, then you can never learn how these traditions work for the group and then how we take them outside of, of, of uh, the, the groups and outside the meetings. A lot of people don't understand the concept of a home group. They think I go to 20 groups and have 20, 20 home groups. A home group is only one group where you exercise your votes in Narcotics Anonymous because the only way that you could be a member of Narcotics Anonymous and vote in it by having a NA home group. And if you had two or three home groups and you voted in every group, what you're doing is you're voting two or three times. And that, that's, not, that's not right. That's totally wrong. You could have home, other NA groups that you support 
and even do service work, but you only vote in one place, the place that you call your home group. Because other than that, you're voting everywhere along the way, and you're not doing your fair share, because why should you have three votes and somebody else have one vote? So you, you, your home group is the place where you do all your voting. It's the place that you express membership in Narcotics Anonymous. Because nobody can join Narcotics Anonymous. We join NA Home Group. Nobody's a member of Narcotics Anonymous as a whole. They're a member of an NA Home Group. And that's a very important thing to keep in mind. The second tradition says, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God that he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. This tradition is a very vital and important tradition. For the group itself, there's only one ultimate authority. There is no leader in the group that runs that group. The ultimate authority is the loving God, is that God expresses himself in that group when you come together as a group. And the first thing that you must remember is group majority is not group conscience. Group majority is strictly the majority of the group wants if you if you if fifty one percent of the group votes for one thing, that means forty nine percent voted for something else. That's not through group conscience. That's group majority. And to get group conscience, you have to establish what the proportion of that group makes it conscious. My home group, we have to have eighty percent in favor of something before we consider that vote. Otherwise, we just disregard it, and there's no vote taken. I think at Bill's group, I think they have to have 100%. I'm not sure. You'll need to ask him. But at my home group, we decided that if 80% of the home group wants something one way, we call that group conscious. If it's 51% or 60% of the group, we do not consider that group conscious. We consider that group majority. And group majority can, can live Because if you got 51% and 49%, that means only one more than half decide what the group should want. It's not fair, because other half, 49% don't want it. So you get very careful in understanding how God comes in as an ultimate authority in your group and, and forms group conscious, because when you have seven people, ten people, doesn't matter, forming group conscious, that's why you start the group conscious with a prayer, inviting God to come in and be part of that group conscious. Then it further says, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. So it does use the word leaders, and we do have leaders, but it describes what these leaders are. They're trusted servants, and that does not mean trust them, they'll vote for us. What trusted servants mean is they are trusted to carry the group conscience to the next level. They do not change that vote whatsoever, and that's what they say. They do not govern. The word govern in English means making decisions for somebody else. So your trusted servants do not make decisions for you. If they have a group conscience to carry, they cannot change that group conscience. And even if they change the motion on the floor, that, that trusted servant has to abstain from voting because he has not given the group a chance to vote on that. They are trusted to carry the group conscience to the next level. They do not govern. They do not make decisions for the group members. They have to carry the group conscience. I know it doesn't happen, and I see it violated all the time. But if you're following the tradition, your leaders are trusted to carry your group conscience what you sat and created and not make any decisions for you that you have not voted on. But if you take that same principle and take it out of the rooms of NA, bring it into your relationship, for, for instance. You know, what's the ultimate authority in your relationship? If, if you're working a program of Narcotics Anonymous, God is mentioned four times in the steps and directly and indirectly. Three times. So that means seven times in, in, in our steps, it refers to God in our program. And so if you don't have a God in your life, that's your own personal business. But you're not really working an NA program. Now, the only thing with NA, we don't tell you what God is. You can have your own concept of what God is. You can take the word God in English and change it to the letter G-O-D and change that to good orderly direction. And that's the God of your understanding, but you must have something. Or you can take G-O-D and change it into a group of druggies. And in your language, you can take the letters or however you say God in your language, and you can change it to something that's meaningful to you. We don't tell you how to believe in God or what God is, but you better have a God because it's mentioned four times directly and three times indirectly, seven times in the step. So you, you, you have a relationship. You invite the God of your understanding to come in and take the consciousness of that relationship. No one person in that relationship governs that relationship. 
Somebody may have different functions in the relationship. Somebody may go out to work. Another person may take care of children. Another person may take care of the wash, the laundry, whatever it is. They have designated jobs to do, but the group conscience of that relationship decides how that's going to be handled. And if you use the 12 traditions, what we've learned to use in our home groups, in your relationship, your relationship gets better and better and better. There's no supreme person in that relationship, like there's no supreme person within your NA group. And then your relationships get better. You can go to conventions, and they'll have workshops on relationships, and 2,000 people want to go into that workshop, and they'll have a tradition workshop in the next room, and nobody wants to go in, when the whole key to having relationships is in the tradition. The third tradition says the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. It doesn't say an honest desire. It says a desire to stop using. In our literature prior to 1987, in the written part of it, not just in the tradition directly, but in all the writing parts of it, it said honest desire. And we took that out in 1987 because addict would sit there and judge and say, well, he doesn't have an honest desire, and she doesn't have an honest desire, and we use it for judgment. If you wind up at an NA meeting and you want to be part of it, you must have some sort of desire, or why the hell would you be there? So, and I, we're talking about the only requirement to come in and join a home group is a desire to stop using. Now, you may not stop using. You could still be a member of that home group. It's just that you can't serve the home group because unless you're totally absent and clean, you cannot serve Narcotics Anonymous. But you can come to Narcotics Anonymous because we're a program of total abstinence. But you must have that desire of, of thing. And I hear people say, well, he kept coming in, he keeps relapsing, he has no desire. Well, let me tell you this. If somebody keeps relapsing and they keep coming back, they have a hell of a lot of desire because it's pretty damn tough to walk into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous after a relapse if you're, because everybody's judging you. If you come back, you certainly do have a desire and we don't have the right to judge it. And we take this to the same thing in the relationship. We take that that only requirement to be in a relationship is a desire to be in that relationship. You know, we get in these relationships and some guys want to be the dictator in the relationship and they tell the girl, well, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, I don't want you in there. You know, he's making the rules. If you want to be in a relationship, understand that it's a, it's a desire that you want to be in there or you shouldn't be in the relationship in the first place. You go in a relationship and you want to control it's not going to work out. You come into a home group and you want to control, it's not going to work out. And that's why the traditions are very important. The steps are for my personal recovery. The traditions are so I learn how to get along with my fellow addicts and take those principles beyond that. The fourth tradition says each group should be autonomous and accept the matters affecting other groups or any a whole. What is autonomy? It means they can be totally independent and do anything they want within the 12 traditions. You see, as long as it's in the 12, within the 12 traditions, a group can do anything it wants. It could be different than the group down the street. One group can be a speaker meeting. Another group can be a topic meeting. Another group can be a bookstore study meeting. It doesn't have to be the same. They're autonomous to do anything they want. Totally free to do it, as long as they don't violate any of the traditions. Now, if they violate any of the traditions, then therefore they lose that autonomy. They're not autonomy because our, our guiding principles are the 12 traditions. And it goes on to say, except when it affects other NA groups or NA as a whole. And what does that simply mean? That simply means that if it's doing something to downgrade another NA group, you're affecting them. You simply come and be your autonomy, give the message that you got a clear cut uh, NA message, not a message of manipulation, not a message of if an NA group says, well, you're a member and you're clean when you're using Suboxone or Methadone, well, you're violating the tradition because we're a program of total abstinence. And so, therefore, you're affecting other groups or NA as a whole. So, it's very important that we understand the group can do anything it feels like it wants to do within the 12 traditions. Violate one of the traditions, you're, you're not autonomous anymore. And so, that's very important to understand that. And when you get taken out of the rooms of NA and you wind up in a relationship, you have to remember each member of that relationship is totally autonomous, except if it affects other people of that, of that relationship or the society as a whole. So you're in a relationship, you want to go out and cheat on your wife, you're affecting another person in that relationship. You're not working the principles that make unification possible in your relationship. 
You want to go out and do something that affects all your neighbors and everything. You're affecting other people's society. But if you have an NA home group and you learn that you can do anything that you want in that NA home group as long as you're not violating any traditions, take that same principle in your life and your relationships with your family and you find out your relationships get better and better. And how did you learn that? By having an NA home group and participating in group concerts. If you go to meetings and you don't have a home group and you're not there at the business meeting, well, you're a visitor. You're not a member. Because to be a member requires action. In the basic text, it says membership is not automatic. And what they mean like that, once you say, I am a member, then you're obligated to serve. And if you're not willing to serve, at least showing up at the business meeting once a month, you're a visitor. You're not a member. And that's the same thing in your relationship. If you're in a relationship and you're not participating in it, and you're affecting other people in there, your relationship is nothing but a farce. So you're better off getting out of it. But if you learn these principles, and when you go into a relationship, take the same principles you use in your NA home group, your relationships will get better and better. The fifth tradition says each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the addict that still suffers. And it says one primary purpose. You don't come to an NA group to learn how to to manage your money, although you could. You don't come to an NA group to learn how to get along with somebody else. You don't come to an NA group for any number of different things. We're not marriage counselors. We're not sex counselors. We come to an NA group for one thing, this primary purpose, that any addict can stop using and lose the desire to use. That's what the NA group is all about, and that's our primary purpose. That's the only thing we stand for. Yes, your relationship can get better, you, your, your money and finances and everything else can get better. But that's not our primary purpose. There's other places you can go to learn that. Our primary purpose is to carry a message that any addict can stop using and lose the desire to use and go on. And that's our only purpose that we have in Narcotics Anonymous. And if we take that out of the rooms, you ask yourself, what is the primary purpose of your relationship? Well, the primary purpose of your relationship is to fulfill what you did in the first position, your common welfare. Whenever your group decide, I mean, your, your relationship decided it was best when you got in that relationship, that's your primary purpose to carry it. And the reason that you learn to do that is because you have an N.A. home group, you participate in that N.A. home group, you follow the traditions in your N.A. home group, and your life gets better and better and better. And so the people that come to meetings and say, I'm working the steps of my life, I don't want anything to do with the traditions, are N.A.C.s, because they're not really giving back to this program what you should. The sixth tradition says an NA, uh, NA group can never endorse, finance, or lend the NA name to any related facility or outside enterprise whose problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. So the sixth tradition is saying how we do not divert from the fifth tradition. Fifth tradition tells us what our primary purpose is. The sixth tradition tells us how not to divert from it, to uphold that fifth thing. And it says on matters of property, money, prestige. These are all things that take us away from our primary purpose. We don't divert from it. It tells us, if you read in the basic text, that we ought not use speakers from another fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean if a person makes a personal choice to go to one fellowship, more than one fellowship, that they can't speak at an NA meeting. But it means when they do speak at an NA meeting, they give a clear-cut NA message from NA literature and nothing else. That's what it means. They don't carry nobody else's message in there. We don't carry anybody's literature in our meetings. We, we don't have, a, we don't have a, an AA big book on our table because that diverts us from our message. Our primary purpose is to carry our message to NA literature, NA language, and all that stuff. And we cannot divert from it. And so when we take that outside of our, our rooms and into our relationship, we have to learn that whatever our primary purpose is in that relationship, we cannot divert from it. We cannot take shortcuts. You set your primary purpose in your relationship as you learn from your NA home group, and all of a sudden, your relationships get better and better and better. The seventh tradition says every group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And what does that mean? Why does it say that we have to con uh, decline outside contributions? Because if we do, we pay a price. And I'm going to give you an example. Let's say a group of addicts want to start a new meeting and they have no money at all. And they go to a church, they want to rent a church basement or, or hall to have an NA meeting. 
And the priest or the minister comes up to them and says, hey, you guys are doing a great job. I really like what you're doing. And you understand, there's no rent here. You can have it for nothing, for a month, for six months, or forever. How come we decline that? Because if we don't decline it, we don't own that space for the hour, hour and a half we have a meeting. And that minister could come in with his Bible and start preaching to you in the middle of that meeting. But if we are self-supporting and we pay for that room and we pay the rent, nobody can come in and take that time away from us. So how does a new group start without any money? Well, you can turn, they, they pay your rent other ways. You can clean this parking lot. You can paint the church. You can do all kinds of work that is equivalent to paying rent until your cash flow and your collector come that you can pay rent. But you're still paying your own way. We cannot take anything for nothing because the minute that we take something for nothing, then we're, we're, we're actually violating all the other traditions because we're diverting from our message and the, the, the church doesn't belong to us. That minister can come in the middle of the meeting and take over and start preaching. But if we pay rent during that hour, we own that time and he cannot come in. So it's a very important and vital thing. And it also tells we have to pay our own way. But you take that same principle and you bring it into your personal relationships in your life. Many of us come in, we cannot, we don't have a job. We're, out, we're being aided by the state, given money and so forth. And when we come into recovery, we learn that we have to start being self-supporting and get a job and pay our own way. And when we start working in our relationships and having our own money and so forth, the relationships get great. Because money is one of the things that will kill a relationship when you're fighting over money. And most of us come in that we're broke when we come in. Some of us are homeless. We don't have anything. But by learning through having a home group that we have to pay our own way as an NA group, we learn to do it in our own personal lives. And our lives get better. And our recovery becomes enhanced. The A tradition says NA uh, should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. What does that mean? It's very important, and you have to listen to the words. Narcotics Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Well, first of all, each one of you that are sitting in this room, in that room there, I don't care what your title is outside the room, whether you're doctor, lawyer, candlestick maker, it doesn't matter, whoever you are. You may be a professional in your personal life, but when you walk into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, you are Joe Addict, period. You are an addict. That's your only title that you have. So it doesn't mean who you are outside. You can't throw, well, I'm a drug counselor. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. When you walk in that room, we're all equal. That's what anonymity means. We're all equal. And so we have no professionals inside the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. But if we open a service office or something, we can employ special workers. They're working there not as addicts. They're working there as a paid worker to do certain things by the hour. And they have no status or any authority in Narcotics Anonymous. When we're in the rooms and the traditions are written for the home group, everybody is equal. And I don't care if you're a millionaire or you're a pauper. You're equal to everybody else. You're nothing but addict and your title doesn't mean nothing. You leave it outside the door. You have no more recovery than anybody else. It's very important. And when you get into a relationship and you take that same principle in and allow that uh, uh, anonymity within autonomy within inside that, that, that uh, relationship that you and your spouse and your partner, whatever it is, are equal. Nobody has any, well, I'm the man. Sit down when I say shit, squat. You know? And a lot of us male addicts, we come in, we have those control problems. But when we come into recovery, we learn equality. We have no professional. Nobody's boss in our relationship. Just like nobody's a, a special uh, a, a professional in our rooms. And all of a sudden, the equality comes there and our relationships get better. And we all got that because we wrote a Narcotics Anonymous. We participate in any home group. And we learn that equality is part of the reason why relationships grow. The ninth tradition, as far as I am concerned, sir, is the most important tradition there is. It's violated continually today by our World Service Office and NARS. It says, narcotics are not, let's see, let's see, NA as such are never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. What is NA as such? NA as such is the recovery meeting. It can never be organized. And by organized, they're not talking about having a chairperson, a secretary. They're talking about in the middle of a, of a recovery meeting, you don't ever stop that meeting and take group conscience. 
NA as such cannot be organized. It's there for one thing, the fifth tradition, its primary purpose. But it says NA as such may create service boards or committees responsible back to those they serve. And what is the first committee that a group sets up? The steering committee, a GSR, ultimate GSR, secretary, treasurer, all those are committees that the NA as such sets up, and it becomes the group's steering committee. And a bunch of group steering committees can get together with other group steering committees and, and, and form what is called an area service committee because they're serving it, they're getting together. And area service committees can get together and form a region. And the region gets the regions get together and meet at the World Service Conference. But the bottom line is each one of those committees are directly, as it says in that thing, directly responsible to the individual, to the person, the member of the group. And so, therefore, if your group has group conscience and the area has group conscience and the region has group conscience, they must carry it as set from there to the World Service Conference. And I don't need to tell you that's been violated for a number of years. Because what the ninth tradition is referred to is inverted pyramid. At points of the triangles at the bottom where the attic is the most important part. And all the way up to the top where you have the World Service Conference is the least important. But what they've tried to do recent years is flip that, that pyramid upside down and make it a corporate pyramid where the CEO is the most important person on it. And that is not the NA structure, although people will try to, to, to bluff you and everything else. That was the beauty of the second tradition of the basic text because it spelled this out specifically. But some people who wanted control of the fellowship manipulated to have it taken out of the book so many of you won't find out the truth of the inverted pyramid. But take that same principle and take it into your relationships and find out that each member of that relationship is the most important thing and they are responsible. Yes, a relationship can have committees for people to do different things, do laundry, do cook food, and all that. But the bottom line is they are responsible to the individual members of that relationship. And if you follow that, your relationships will get better and better. The 10th tradition says, Narcotics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the NA name ought to be drawn into public controversy. This is a very important tradition, and this has been violated constantly. It says, Narcotics Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. We do not, as a group, have an opinion on somebody taking Suboxone or Methadone outside the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. But we have inside opinions. When you walk into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and you're taking those things, the Suboxone or Methadone or the other new thing that they come out now, we have an opinion inside of Narcotics Anonymous, an inside opinion, not out, that if you come here, you cannot serve this fellowship while you're on those. You can come to meetings, but you can't serve. As far as the outside, we have no opinion on what your doctor prescribes you. We have no opinion what your drug counselor tells you. That's between you and them. But when you walk into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, it's an inside issue. And we have issues with it because we have a program that says we're total absent from all drug and mood altering uh, substances. And so when you walk in these rooms, it's an inside issue, not an outside issue. What goes on out there and what's prescribed to you, we don't care. We don't care what your doctor says. We don't care what your drug counselor says. But we do care what our program says, and that's why it's an inside issue. And yet people will say, well, that's an outside issue. I can use that if I want to. You certainly can use it if you want to. But you can't come in here and serve this fellowship because that's an inside issue, and we do have something to say on that. But you take that same principle, bring it into your relationships, and you find out that it's very important. That further on goes to bring our name into public controversy. That means we're not going to go out and endorse a, a, a politician that has a war on drugs. That's his business. We have inside issues, only that we want to recover from using drugs. We don't care what the rest of the world does. And so when we come into our relationship, we have inside issues on what's going on in that relationship based on, based on spiritual principles. We don't care what the Joneses and the Johnsons and the Browns next door and across the street do. That's their business. We have no interest in what they do. We have interest in what goes on in our relationship. Because if we want, want to go out there and decide that John Jones needs to do this and that, we're going to start public controversy. We mind our own business and our relationship, and we stay out of other people's relationships. And we learn that by coming to Narcotics Anonymous. The 11th tradition, which is the public relations uh, policy, is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. 
And basically, we have a we have a public information committee for that. We don't go out to the public and say, I'm I'm Vito and I'm an addict and I have so many years clean and so forth. The next week you find me in the gutter dying. What does that say about Narcotics Anonymous to the public? It says it doesn't work. So when we do public release and public information work, what we do, we do it with anonymity. We don't have, have anything in, in, in public, who I am, or what I do, and all that stuff. Because it, it, it certainly would ruin the name of Narcotics Anonymous because recovery always has relapse. And we do not want to have the relapse known in public say NA does not work. Because it works for most of us that come in here. And so we have a PI manual that tells us what we can do and what we can't do. We have a, a sign on the bus. It says, drug problem, maybe we can help. Narcotics Anonymous. It does not say, got a drug problem, come to Narcotics Anonymous, we'll cure you. We keep that anonymity, always. We ask, we're here, you want help? Come, we might be able to help. We'll never say that we can do anything for you because we can't guarantee that any addict will stop using. So you get in touch with it. You get in touch with what the thing is and bring it into your relationships. The 12th tradition sums up all the traditions because anonymity starts in the first tradition when our common welfare comes thing. Personal recovery depends on anonymity. We become an, 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 an anonymity all the way through every tradition. And the 12th tradition sums it up. It tells us what it's all about. It says anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. So when it says anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, they're referring to the anonymity that started in the first tradition and working its way back. Ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And what does that really mean? It means when we come into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, the principle is very simple. We are all equal. We are all addicts. When a guy pulls up in front of the, the, the meeting and steps out of a Rolls Royce, he's not a rich addict because if we consider him a rich addict, he's not going to be recovered because we made him different than us. If a good-looking girl walks into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous and she's pretty and built like a movie star and all the guys say, let's, uh, let's 13 step her before she gets too well to understand what's going on. We're not allowing her, her anonymity to come in and be just an addict seeking recovery. And we're not serving ourselves. So it doesn't matter who you are, doctor, lawyer, candlestick, good looking, ugly, black, white, yellow. It doesn't matter. When you walk into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous, you are nothing more than an addict. Owned. We all have the same last name, addict. And when I go into the meeting, my sponsor taught me many years ago, I don't come in and say my name is, is, is Joe and I'm an addict. He said, always put the principle before the personality. So I'm an, I, I'm an addict called Vito. The principle is that I'm an addict before my personality, which is Vito. That reminds me that when I go to a meeting, everybody is equal in there. I'm not Vito and, and an addict. I'm an addict called Vito because that's what you call me, Vito. But I'm an addict. That's my last name. The same as your last name. And we're all related. We're brothers and sisters. And if we love that equality that we have in the 12th tradition, in our relationships, not only our romantic relationships with our family, all of a sudden life gets better and better and better. And that's how it works. I have nothing more to say about it. I don't know what your format is, if you have questions or what you want to do. But I'm done talking. It's your meeting, folks. Do You're you welcome. Have, do you have time to answer some questions? I have time if you have time. We have time. Is there anyone who would like to ask a question to Vito? Please come up and ask. Hi, Vito. Good evening from Holland. I'm an addict. My name is Maurice. Hey, how you doing? I, I listen. I, I heard you last year, and uh, now also for the second time, and I listen to all your speaker tapes. So, uh, 
Uh, thank you very much again. And I have a question. We have a, we have a lot of conversation in our home group about group consciousness and CBDM, consensus-based decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, some people claim in my home group that group consciousness and consensus-based decision-making is the same. And it I is not. It's not the same, I know. But what are you... You want me to tell you why? Yeah. I want to hear your viewpoints about this. You, you, you got my hot button now. <laughs> in group conscious, we want the overwhelming majority of people. In consensus, they want everybody to agree. So if I'm a powerful personality and I keep harping the same thing and keep you there for five hours on the consensus, you get tired and you want to go home. And all I got to do is wear everybody out. And then I become the conscious of the last person standing. And that's why consensus don't work. Consensus is supposed to be unanimous. And what happens is they harp, they harp, they harp, until you get tired of being there and you want to go home and get the hell away from them. They won. Group conscious, if you can't come to a conscious, you drop it, you vote on it six months later or whatever. Conscious is, is best for everybody. Consensus is a tool to get over and manipulate. And us addicts are wonderful at manipulation. <laughs> I know that. And I know what they did on the last whole service conference. They have a meeting for 16 hours to, mm -hmm. uh, with consensus-based decision-making and uh, everybody walks out the room and, uh, okay, you know, they were sick and tired of this. Uh, and that is planned that way so the powers to be can get what they want. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for your clear view. And your Patreon, I'll tell you, all your non-board members will be there and they will stay to the end to make sure they got what they want. Mm -hmm. It's planned. It's planned. Mm. Thank you very much, Victor. It's not the same as group conscious. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Vito. My name is. Uh, I'm an edit. I'm, my name is Martin. Hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, first of all, thank you for your time. Um, I have a question about uh, a relapse. Uh, you said uh, when people relapse, uh, get them back with open arms. But sometimes you have people that they relapse, they relapse, relapse. And sometimes what I'm here is if they're proud of their relapse, you know, uh, what you can do about it. Uh, uh, for me, the program is not a relapse. For me, it's program recovery. I know it's part of it, but it's not written in the program. But how to? Well, you have to look at it this way: if a person relapses over and over and over again, when they walk back into these rooms, they have a lot of shame, and that's a lot of desire to want to do it. They may not be able to do it, but we have to love them unconditionally. I know people that have 30, 40 years that relapse for seven or eight years before they got it right. But we were there to welcome them back. We don't we don't approve what they do, and we tell them there's no reason to relapse and that they're going to kill themselves. But we welcome them back because they will not come back in these rooms unless that. Why would a person walk into a room after a relapse and know that people are judging them and don't like them? They're going to say nasty things unless they really want this real bad. And that's what you have to understand. And most of a good part of people with long-term recovery have been relapsers at the very beginning. And some people stayed long enough to love them until they got it. And I know it's hard because there's some of them I like to take a baseball bat and hit them over the head and break their head wide open. Because that's how much they frustrate me. And I'm not saying I don't get frustrated. And I say a lot of things to them, but they're always welcome. I'll tell them, I'll, I'll come out and I'll say very nasty things to them and tell them that we're not a revolving door and this or that. But I will still love them and say, but I respect the fact that you came back and that you really want it. Maybe you ought to get something in your life like God in the steps and stay here. But I will not push him away, even though I want to punch the hell out of him. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, and my second question. Oh, I answer it. Yeah, for me, it's okay. Uh, my second uh, question is, um, we're here now with a group of people. Uh, we're studying in Baby Blue and stuff like that. And um, the most part of Holland is uh, Norse territory. Um, mm -hmm. uh, how, how we can uh, spread the word more? How we can, uh, must we visit other groups and bring the baby blue with us? Or what's the best tactic of, yeah. 
How are we doing? Don't run away. Just keep doing it. Worry about in your group. If your group stands and your group grows and your group gets successful, eventually other groups will say, why are they getting so successful and they will start? If you want to go out and you want to fight with them and get into controversy, you're only going to lose. You know what you stand for and you do the right thing and that will spread and it will spread and it will spread. And so you got to, you don't care what people say. Why does Nas not want you to use the baby blue? Because they make 300 or 1100 percent on the basic tax. In the United States, they sell a basic tax for $12. They buy it from China, delivered to California for $1.37, and they're selling it for $12.95. That's almost like being a, a gangster selling at those things. AA in the United States still sells their big book for $6.75, and we sell things for $12.95. Why? Because we have a director of the World Service Office being paid $300,000 a year salary. His secretary gets almost $200,000 a year salary. Plus, they have expense accounts that's out of the way. AA, the guy makes $60,000 a year, and our guy makes $300,000 a year for a nonprofit thing. What's happening, as far as I believe, we're being ripped off. That's my opinion. I don't believe anybody, I believe a person who runs an organization should be paid good. I believe that but not $300,000 in a program on N.A. And all they want to do is keep selling books, books, books to meet those salaries. And then when they run out of money, what do they do? They write a new book so they can get that money going in. Like I said, I have no qualms with somebody getting paid for doing a job, but I think $300,000 is a little expensive. And his administrative assistant, which is listed that way, but is really a secretary, is making almost two hundred. That's a half a million dollars for two people in a nonprofit thing. Come on. It's oh. not right. Okay. And, of course, you got the NAS people who fly all around the world on NA's dime, and, of course, they're going to support everything that they want to do. And, I mean, you got that problem in Europe. You got, from my understanding, and I never met the guy, you got a NAS representative from Germany that has the same uh, personality as Adolf Hitler. So, yeah, you can't put that stuff together. And think, they went to Africa where they were using the baby blues, and they told them they put him in jail, and they took and they made him burn it in a bonfire. And though we would love them to try to prosecute somebody in the United States because they're in contempt of court to open the court case again. We need them to come and try. And they, you know what? They've been telling Bill for almost 20 years that they're going to put him in jail, and, and they won't do it. I was with him at the World Convention of Philadelphia, and he walked up to Anthony, the CEO, and said, here's the baby blue. And Anthony went to him and said, you got a problem with it, meet me at the courthouse. And that was five years ago, and he hasn't got a summons yet. <laughs> it's intimidation. Uh, my last question for you. Uh, I don't ask Bill yet. Maybe uh, I'm a big hole and he killed me, but uh, why don't uh, change NOS from inside? Why you cannot do that? Because it's so corrupt that you can't do it from inside anymore because people don't know the truth. People now with 10, 15 years came in after the corruption and they only know what they've seen. They're, they're not bad people. They just know what they've seen and they don't know how it was so therefore they can't make any judgment on it. They're not bad people. All the people in N.A. that side with NOS are not bad people. They just don't know the truth and they're not open-minded. Because, you know, addicts like to be promoted. Addicts like positions. And, you know, maybe if I follow their direction, they'll put me on the NOS board. And you'll be surprised how many people have ambition to get on that NOS board and fly all across the world. It's all politics. Unfortunately, we're, we're self-help uh, fellowship. But when it comes to the service part, there's politics involved, and politics makes strange bedfellows. Okay, thank you for your time and for your show, sir. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, if nobody else got anything to share, then I'll just close. There we go. Hi, I'm an addict. I'm Daniel. Hey, Daniel. Um, well, I don't really know how to ask this. Uh, I. Could you ask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um I feel like uh I have to choose 
between Nash and uh, and well, and I guess uh, my my last sponsor he he didn't know about the the Grey Book or the Baby Blue meeting, and um, he taught he taught me that um, that NA was actually for every addict, so also the gay yeah uh, the the non drugs addict, and uh, I'm just confused and I. Well, no, he's wrong. This program was started for addiction, for people using drugs. This was not started for Gamblers Anonymous, Shoppers Anonymous, Sex Anonymous. We are Narcotics Anonymous. If they want to go for overeating, there's OA, there's fellowships for all those things. And again, that's because nobody knows the history, nobody knows it, and they want to make NA what they want to make it. The point is, read our basic text. We're a program of total absence where people coming together who want to stay clean, our steps and our traditions, and the whole book talks about not using. And if you never use, this is not the fellowship for you. There's a lot of good fellowships out there. Emotions Anonymous is great for people who never use and got other problems such as shopping and eating. There's all Overeaters Anonymous. There's all that. We are Narcotics Anonymous. Our problem is that we were addicts using mood and mind-altering substances and we, today, we want to be free of that. So, when you say you don't want to make a choice, and you make choices every day. You can make a choice to use or not to use. That's a choice. You can make a choice to, to be bonded with people of like mind, but you can make choices to, to go the other direction. Nobody can tell you what to do. If you believe and you like the energy of Nas, go with it. That's your way. If you don't, go here. But nobody tells you how to make a choice. You're free to do it. But life is choices, and you're not going to work through recovery or life itself without having to make decisions. And we all make hard decisions. So follow your conscience, follow God, and do what you feel is right for you. If you feel the other way is right for you, God bless you, good luck to you. But I know that the people that want integrity and want things have to go in another direction. Because I see what corruption happens about money. Our sixth tradition tells us everything that's happening right now, and they're violating it. They're buying, it's all about money, property, and prestige. Let's sell more books. Let's sell books at high prices so we can pay big salaries. To me, that's not a spiritual program. That's all about materialism. And I want to come here to learn spirituality and get better from my disease. Hope that answers your question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it just feels like the, those last six months that I still was living a lie. So, um, like this two days, there had more. There has happened more than the last six months together, and um, uh, I no, I rest my case. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck. Hello, Beto. Hey, Billy. Uh, I got a, I got a couple of people I'm gonna call up here. Because I want you to talk about something that I found out this weekend, okay? All mm -hmm. right? We're doing translations over here. And uh, I've had the opportunity to work with the Swedish and with the Dutch in their translations. and But I didn't know the extent of the damage that was done over the years of knowledge in corporate world service office, whoever did the interpretations on the Dutch and the Swedish books. And they actually removed things out of the book, okay? All right. They changed actual and, and took parts of the basic text away and changed the philosophy of the basic text with their interpret with their translations. Yes. What they did is the same thing they did with the fourth edition in America, except we caught them. They were going to do editorial changes, and they, they made content changes. To give you an example, in the Scandinavian books, Denmark, Sweden, and, and Norway, they use a little simple thing to get into there and make major changes, but use a thing. In Denmark, Sweden, and Norway, the word for addict is totally different. There's not one word. So their book became a little bit different based on the word for addict. And so they wanted to correct that so it was in, in their dialect, in their part of the Scandinavian language. But what they did, they went one step further like they did with the fourth edition, and they edited content, not grammar. Obviously.
Obviously, and in Denmark, they need the right word for attic in their book, in Sweden, in Norway. And that's fine. But then you don't go into other parts and edit content. And that's what they did. And they used it as an excuse, like they did with the fourth edition and Hazleton. They wanted to please the rehab. And so they edited the content when they told us they were just going to enter, enter grammar and words that would make sense. And that's what happened there in Sweden and Norway and Denmark. I don't know about Amsterdam, but I know those three countries, it started over one word, attic. Because in all three of those countries, that word differs, even though the language is the same, that one word differs. And they use that as an excuse to get in there and change a whole bunch of things. That's how that happened. How it happened in, 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 in Amsterdam, I don't know, but probably pretty basically the same thing. Wow. Because I know Dutch and German are very close, and they probably use some excuse like that. Well, they call the basic text N.A. Anonymous Addict in Holland. That's not the name of it. Right, but that's what they, we got, we got Narcotics Anonymous on our basic text. They got N.A. Anonymous Addict. Well, that's, that, again, is the manipulation of, of NOS. But, and you know how they are. We've seen it happen with the fourth edition. But we fought within two or three months, and they had to burn thousands of them in the warehouse because we caught it, because they did not do what we gave them permission to do. We gave them permission to change grammar, not context. But when I look at the traditions, I look at money, property, and prestige, all right, is what became court for this, this changes in these books. And I mm -hmm. wanted the Swede to tell some of the parts to you that they actually changed. And how it affects their fellowship is unbelievable. And I just learned because that here it's today. It's a different message. It's not the narcotic anonymous message. They changed it. So it's not the NA message. It's parts of the NA message. And that was the manipulation that's going on worldwide now. That's the whole thing. They're worldwide. They're getting away with it in some places. They tried it in Russia, but Russia wouldn't stood up to them. Russia wanted it translated word for word. But they tried it. But then again, the Russians are very stubborn and, and very aggressive people. So they didn't get away with it there. But in some countries, they're able to get away. In Africa, they're doing the same thing in Africa, big time. They're changing content like crazy because the people are unaware of it. And they tried it in some of the South American countries. I mean, they talk about evil empire. I believe knowledge is an evil empire because what it's trying to do is control addicts, as far as I'm concerned. That's personal want, opinion, that's how I feel. I want you to hear some of the things that they did from the people here, okay? Okay. I just heard this today, and I've been helping them with translating the, the third edition revised with the original fourth, okay, into their language. And I think they're doing a great job. Sweden has... That's, a, why, that's why grassroots interpretation in the language that the people speak, the people speak on the street, is so important. Not the, the grammar, the intellectual translation, the translations that addicts speak themselves. And for in America, Bill, you remember with the gray book, it, and every, they took it out. Narcotics Anonymous does not make sick people well. It brings dead people back to life. Right. The rehab said, that's insane. You're not Jesus Christ, you can't break. But every addict knows that he was spiritually dead, and the fellowship brought you back to life spiritually. And, and that's a language that we can understand. But they want to write it in language that addicts don't talk. We don't. We, we talk street language. I don't care how proper or how much education you have. We talk street language. In every country, I was in Russia. They speak Russian street language, not the high-class Russian. I've seen that all over the place. And our literature needs to be written in the language that addicts understand. And that's the language of the street. So let me let you hear I want you to let them know some of the things that you're taking out of your book. You know, I, I, you know I'm an addict, uh, addict named Christoph from Sweden. Okay. Where are you Mano? I live in a, a place called in the northern part of Sweden. Okay. Yeah, you're well, up in the mountains. You're yeah, up snow yeah. country. Yeah. 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 Um, we translated the BB into Swedish, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we are the only. Uh, no, we are two home groups now, uh, using that book. Uh, and um, when we translated it, we found a lot of um, sentence and whole <coughs> sentence taken out, like sentence about the twelve steps as our solution. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember uh, which word we talked about it today. 
It's yeah. from chapter. It's like, uh, so if we are powerless, how can Narcotics Anonymous help? Uh, we begin by asking for help. This is accomplished by working the 12 steps. Yeah, and they took that sentence out. They took it out about the 12 steps. Did you? Yeah. I understand what they did because I seen them do it in America in 1987 with the fourth edition. Except we were so united back then that we made them burn all the fourth editions in the warehouse. They they, they printed them. They took a hundred thousand dollar loan from a rehab and to establish the fourth edition to be in rehab language. And when the fellowship found out what they did, because that's not what we gave them permission. We gave them permission to enter grammar. There's a word here and there, grammar. But they took whole contents out. And when the fellowship found up, they forced them to come out. The fifth edition was a compromise between the third and the fourth because the fourth edition was not our book. They wrote something different. They took entire pages and paragraphs out completely. But we were strong enough as a fellowship then to demand that they burn those books in their warehouse and take the loss. Today, they can't do it because they're paying such big salaries. They, if they, they run out of money, they write a new book. <laughs> probably, they it's a probably month out. Yeah. But, you know, you guys translate it in your language, in your language that you speak on the street. Yeah. Then you're getting the true message. Yeah, we did. Not what a college professor writes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we used uh, the street language and uh, the <coughs> words that they had put in. We, we compared with the sixth edition, and uh, it was crazy, man. They took, yeah. uh, out, of, they took uh, out the language from the street, as you say. And and uh, when we give uh, the book to a newcomer, they can recognize what they are reading because they can feel the spirit and they can feel the atmosphere. Right, and they feel their language and what they talk and they understand and they know it's coming from experience of somebody before them, not some college professor that never put a needle in his arm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Thank you, Vito. We have been uh, doing our meeting for like four months and we are going to continue. But uh, the whole region of Sweden yeah. is against us, so. Well, that's okay. Yeah, we we'll keep okay. do, we keep doing it for the addict that still suffers. And your group will continue to grow and grow and grow, and it doesn't matter as long as you're carrying the message. It doesn't matter if you want want to carry their message. Let them carry the message. You carry the message. Yeah. Thank you, Vito. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hello, Vero. My name is Kim, and I'm an addict. Hey, Kim. Uh, also from Sweden. I'm just gonna read something to you that they also removed in the Swedish editions. It's in the tradition in the uh, in chapter six, not in any specific one, just before. Uh, because we hear about suggested steps and no must so often. Some of us make a mistake and assume that this applies to groups the way it applies on the individual. The 12, step, the 12 traditions of NA are non, not negotiable. That is removed. That is removed? Yeah. Not, not not well, uh, why it's removed? Because if it's removed, now they have the power. Yeah. They have the power because it says non-negotiable. That's what we voted on when we wrote the book, and that means... We cannot negotiate that. If you take it out, guess what? They're negotiating it right away. And you don't even know they're not negotiating it. Mm. It's, to keep you, it's like going back to the dark ages of the 1500s and the 1400s. Let only the church have education. The common folk couldn't read nothing. So we could, they're doing the same thing. They're removing articles out there so they have the control. Because the people reading the book only know what's in there. They're not bad people that read the book. They can only read what's in there, and to them, that's their book. Yeah. They don't know the truth that they were manipulated. Yeah, it's it's the part that the 12 tradition of NA are non-negotiable. That is left, but uh, the whole part before it's removed. Yeah, that, well, that's because they want to control. And, you know, the only way that you help other addicts is by, they start saying, oh, you guys are no good and everything. Educate them, educate them. Yeah. Be able to grab the sixth edition and the baby book and see what they took out, see what they took out, see what they took out. Mm. Control, control, control. Consensus is a form of control. Yeah. Okay, thank they you. They don't allow group conscience on the floor of the World Service Conference anymore. They only allow consensus because they can control that. They can keep it going until people get tired and want to go to bed. Mm. Yeah. And then they win. Yeah, it's true. Okay, thank you very much.
Hi, Vito. My name is Peter. I'm an addict. Hi. I'm an addict named Peter. You know. <laughs> you got it right. <laughs> Thanks for your service all this time. Uh, I have a question. You just uh, responded, Kim, my brother, same home group. Uh, we got to educate them. We need to educate them. But it's really hard to educate people who uh, isolate us. You know, they're real afraid in Sweden and how what are your thoughts on PI within the fellowship you know well you're not going to get you can't graft a new idea on a closed mind you just can't happen but what you can do is continue to grow and grow and grow and you know if you keep growing and they keep hating you after a while they're going to come to see why you're growing and that's what opens up their mind be the leader by example keep growing help addicts grow your group Form an area. You start with one group, then you, you you get so good, and people think you get a second group, and then a third group. Growth education is the best thing because if you keep growing, they're going to say, "What are they doing over there that they keep growing?" They actually so said that's that. How you do it. They actually don't fight them. Show them. Yeah, because I read we read the area report, and they asked asked, asked the question, "Why are they growing at the at the well, <laughs> at the area?" So it's out there. Right. If you keep growing, that will show, then they'll become interested and want to know why. If you fight them and get caught in the crisis and always argue with them, they're keeping dissension and you won't grow. If you ignore them, you'll grow. Yeah. And that's how you get them back. Because the bigger you grow, people are saying, well, what's going on over there? Why are they getting so big? Why are people staying clean? Well, maybe we should go over there. That's how you fight them. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I guess we're done, huh, Bill? Oh, thank you. Uh, well, we could talk all night, okay? Oh, I know we can. We could have, we a, round, we, we could have a round table discussion about these traditions, okay? Yeah. All right. And that's what you need to do. You need to, to be able to tell them, that, teach them that they can't be intimidated. They will not take you to court because if they do, they open up a whole can of worms that they're going to be in trouble. Well, it's like I've been telling them. It's they translate, they write new literature, they translate the basic text into the language. To take the Anonymi Foundation uh, copyright and put it in the back of their book, okay, because they translated it, serves. And if they put the Anonymi Foundation with our address on it, I'm the agent. Then, then they have to go after you now. Right. They have to come to Philadelphia then, to Philadelphia and, Federal and Court. And what you also want to tell make sure that their edition of it gets on NA.help. You yeah. want it on that website, na.help, that their edition gets on there, and it shows that it comes out of the online. Well, that's na.help.org. Or whatever, yeah, na.help.org. <laughs> Not right. na. Uh, right. You know what I mean, the web, right. the website. Na.help.org. Right. And, um, Get it up there. You know, the Russians got their steps up there. The Russians are starting to work with a basic text. And, and, and that's how you beat them. And you get it up on that website, and if anybody wants to sue, is that's where the literature comes from. They have to go after Billy. Right. And that um, that I'm willing to do, okay? Mm -hmm. And they got to do it in U.S. court. Right, in the Federal Court of Philadelphia, 3rd District. Go, we're, 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 you get, we're getting our, our, our literature from Billy Allen. That's all you have to say, and they have to go after him. <laughs> And if you're printing it in Holland or Sweden, Billy's having it printed for us. We're just, he sent us the money and we're paying it. That's all. Put it on him. They will not touch you. Believe me. Well, he, he wished they'd serve him with some papers, then he'd be able to do something. But. You already said you were there in Philadelphia at the, at the right. World Convention when I could Well, you not only Anthony. gave it to Anthony, you handed one to each board member. Each board member got a book and uh, handed out books in the board meeting. And they saw me handing books out, and they and they did nothing to stop it. And we cornered Anthony on the little scooter there in the hallway. <laughs> and you said to them, you got a problem with this, Anthony, see me at the courthouse. I told them to keep the whole board over, and we'll stay an extra week, and we'll get an injunction against me immediately. Yeah. And, of course, that never happened. That was five right. years ago. Right.
So, but I really thank you for participating with us, and uh, it's been a yeah, great. folks there over in Europe, do not be intimidated by them because they've done it to the people in Africa, and that's their power: intimidation. Don't back down. They have intimidation to take responsibility. Don't be intimidated. That's the only power they have. Give them my phone number, my email, our webpage, and say, you need to talk with this guy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'd like okay. to thank everybody for helping me participate in this. It's been my pleasure. And maybe someday I'll get over there. Well, you're going to close in prayer with us, okay? Okay. It's going to okay. be the same weekend next year, okay? So we okay. like you here, okay? Well, we'll see what Columbus we Columbus Day weekend, Okay. Hey, it's an Italian weekend. What more do you want? <laughs> I'll make sure I get some pasta from from uh, 187th Street, okay? Yeah, yeah, we'll have some some uh, pizza from 187th Street and some uh, other nice Italian stuff. I'll get some stuffed shells, some tor tortellini. Some don't, don't forget the cannoli. And the cannolis and the manicots, okay? All right. <laughs> And the pasta, pasta, pasta. I get a lot of pasta, okay? We're going to close in prayer with you, okay? Okay. Put you right in here in the group. All right, so you're in the group here, okay? In the group. All right. Everybody say thank you, Vito. Thank you, Vito. A moment of silence for that still suffering addict and to reflect on how we carry the message to him that no addict need die tonight without hearing a message of hope and promise of freedom from active addiction. God, God, grant us your to accept the things I cannot change, and to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.